kickoff, we're preparing us to return back to this round sermon series that we began last weekend. And, uh, and I hope that y'all remember what we said, um, that of everything that Jesus said, the thing that he spoke about the most and the thing he taught about the most and the thing Jesus preached about the most, it was this very thing. It was, it was the kingdom of God. It was the reign. It was the realm of God. It was that, that place. It was that mindset where, where God rules supreme. And, and we started to think, you know, if, if, Jesus, if Jesus talked about it that much, then then maybe so should we, you know, but, but remember whenever Jesus did, whenever Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, he always did it in these, these really kind of, these, these kind of vague, these kind of nebulous sort of ways. Remember whenever Jesus spoke about the kingdom, he always talked about it, he always used parables. Right? He always talked about the kingdom with these stories, That's what parables are, these stories, these, these really deep, these really... Um, these really multivalence, these really multi-layered sort of stories. And so it would be normal for us, it's understandable for us to, to wonder why. Why, if, if, this, if the kingdom was something, if the kingdom was something that was so important for Jesus's followers to get, then, then why did he use parables? Why did he tell stories? Um, well, a couple of months ago, Pastor John and I, we were actually going through these verses. We were teaching through these verses in our Monday and Tuesday Bible studies. And I shared something with those groups. I shared a question with them that, that had just back then recently struck me. And it's a, it's, a, it's a question that has still kind of pestered me all these months long because it's a question that I still haven't gotten a satisfying answer to. See, a couple of months ago, I started to wonder, and this tells you what goes on in this weird head of mine. A couple of months ago, I started to wonder how how do you describe the color red to someone who's blind? Let me think about it. Because whenever, whenever, whenever we learn our colors, it's, it's a teacher. It's a teacher who points to an apple and says, that's red. Um, or it's our mom who points to a fire truck or to our dad pointing to a sunset. That's red, they say. That's all, it's all referential. That's the way we learn, it's referential. Someone takes something that we already know, someone takes something that we're already familiar with, and they teach us something new from it. They take something that we're already familiar with and they, ta- they, they teach us some new truth, some deeper truth with it. And that's, that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's taking these things that these people already knew and from them, he, he is teaching them, he is showing them these, these deeper, these heavenly, these spiritual truths. Because how else, how, how else do you describe the infinite to, to the finite? You just, you, you start with what you know. And so what, what's the kingdom of God like? It's, it's like a wedding feast, Jesus would say. It's like this, this big party that, that everyone is invited to. What? What's the kingdom of God like? It's, it's like a mustard seed, he'd say. It's, it's like finding your lost coin. It's, it's like finding your lost sheep. It's, it's like finding your lost child. The parable of, of the prodigal son. What's the kingdom of God like? It's like finding hidden treasure, Jesus says. 
And that's exactly what we're going to read in our scripture for this morning. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and pull them out and join us. Again, we're going to be in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. So Matthew chapter 13, beginning our reading this morning with verse 44. Okay, um, so Matthew uh, chapter 13 and verse 44. Friends, hear the words of the Lord. This is, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and and buys that field. Again, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls and on finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Uh, now, now, for us to truly get what's, what's going on here, we kind of have to put ourselves in the shoes of the people that, that Jesus is speaking to here. Because for them, um, there was no such thing as a bank. For them, there were no such things as, as vaults or, or safes, safes, at least not just for the ordinary common folk. And for them, there was no such thing as, as, as home security either. I mean... These people lived in houses with walls that could easily be punched through. These were walls that could easily be broken through. And so for them, literally, one of the safest places for you to to hide your treasures, one of the the, the safest places, maybe the safest place for you to, to hide your valuables, it was to go out into a field and dig a hole and to bury it. I mean, there are hundreds of stories throughout the history of this time period of people doing exactly that. Of people going out and digging a hole and then moving off and forgetting. Or worse, staying there and completely forgetting. They would dig a hole, bury their valuables, and then forget where they did it. They, they, forgot, they forgot where they hid grandma's pearls. Now, now, was it Pastor John, was it by that big rock over there? Or was it by that big rock over there? Because there are lots of big rocks over in their neck of the woods. Um, and that's exactly what's going on in the scripture. As are going on in, in both of these parables, we see these, these folks and they're just, they're just doing their job. It's just, it's just an, yet an, another ordinary day. They're digging yet another hole there. They're going on yet uh, another sales call, but that's when it happens. Suddenly they stumble, they stumble on this treasure. And they sell everything they own to get it. And and I think we're all kind of like that ourselves, aren't we? We're all looking for treasure. We're looking for that thing that we think will will satisfy the the restlessness of our souls. We all want to be like that. We all want to be like that guy up in Pennsylvania a couple of years ago. Remember there was a story of that guy, he, he, he went to a, a flea market and he bought a $4 painting. You can, you can just bet how beautiful that thing probably was, but, but he bought it not for the painting, he bought the $4 painting because he wanted the frame. He was at this, this, uh, this, this flea market and he thought he could restore this frame, so he bought the painting, got it home, and when he got it home, he saw that it was beyond his capability to save, and he almost threw the whole thing out. But he didn't. Instead, he popped the painting out, and whenever he did, this, this old folded up piece of paper came, came fluttering down to the floor. It wound up being one of only 24 original copies that have ever been found of the Declaration of Independence. It went on sale, it, it sold at auction for over a million. It was a piece of trash. 
that sold for over a million dollars. In fact, whenever the final gavel came down, it sold for over $2.4 million. Um, Pastor Anne Marie thinks that there's a hidden map on the back of it, but I think she's been watching too many movies. <laughs> but, but maybe our, our trust to treasure story, maybe it's more like Edward St. John's. Mr. St. John's regularly searched the dumpster behind the gas station there near his house in Massachusetts. He was always looking for unscratched lotto tickets. And one day he literally hit the jackpot. He was going through the dumpster and he found this, this ticket and scratched it up. It was a million dollar winner. He found a million dollar winner just thrown out in the garbage. I mean, here you have, you have one guy who spent years searching for his treasure and then you have this other guy that just kind of stumbled into it. And we think, when's, when's it gonna be my turn? When am I going to find what I'm looking for? And Jesus says, it's already all around you. The kingdom, the realm, it's already all around you. But it comes at a cost. Thank you so much for bringing that passage to life. And I think it's important for us to remember those people in Jesus' day literally were always looking for treasure, always looking for that buried treasure. treasure that, was, that could be on their grounds. There was a sense of expectancy. There was an awareness. They were tuned in. They were always looking. And I wonder about us, as we go through life, if we ought not have a sense of expectancy and looking um, for those moments that God is going to break into our lives. So we're going to be thinking about that because Jesus said that's the way the kingdom of God comes, very much like that buried treasure or like that lost pearl that is there. So as we think about this, I want us to think about three things that Jesus teaches us about the kingdom that challenges us how we look at life. Let's look at these three lessons that we can learn. The first is this, the kingdom of God is hidden in plain sight. Literally in ordinary living, extraordinary moments are around. In the ordinary rhythms and routines of life, God is going to break in. God is working out things in ways that we can never imagine. We need to live with that sense of expectancy. I love today is one of my great heroes, birthday, President Abraham Lincoln. This is President Lincoln's birthday. And I love as it was celebrated, there was an editorial cartoon in the 1800s that went back and talked about his birth. I think in a wonderful way. This cartoon showed two folk on the frontier, the American frontier, February 1809. It was a raw, cold day and they're having a conversation. And one of the fellas turns to another and says, anything going on around here? And the other fella said, nothing ever goes on around here. Oh, Tom Lincoln just had a boy. They named him Abraham, but nothing exciting ever happens around here. And I love the point of that story. Here in the most unlikely backward place in all of the United States, the 16th president was born in a place that nobody would have expected. Nobody was looking, not only the 16th president, but arguably our greatest president, the one that changed our history in dramatic ways. It happened, this miraculous event, hidden in plain sight. This way the kingdom of God works 
and the ordinary routines of life, and we all know them. Think about the life that we live. We get up and we fix breakfast, we go to work, we go to school, we go home, we make supper, then we make supper again, and we take the trash out, and we make the bed. On and on our lives are filled with routines, but in the midst of the ordinary routines, the extraordinary is right there, hidden in plain sight. Our problem is when it comes to our faith, so often we're looking in the wrong places. We're expecting the wrong things. We're wanting these big dramatic moments and the kingdom of God is hidden right in front of us in plain sight. We need to learn to see. And boy, we get a lesson of that at the Super Bowl today. In fact, y'all know that the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles is named Jalen Hurts. Amazing young man, he is a Texan. Um, great Christian, great person of character, has an amazing life story. He grew up in the Houston area. His dad was his high school coach at Channel View, east of Houston. And when he was a senior in high school, he was highly recruited, four-star recruit. He had offers to go to many colleges, went to the University of Alabama. His freshman year of college led Alabama to the national championship game. And then his sophomore year led Alabama to the national championship game. But something happened in that second national title game that changed forever the trajectory of his career. Alabama had not played well, and Coach Nick Saban benched Hurts at halftime and put in a freshman phenom that was backing him up underneath, and he put in his backup named Tua Tagovailoa. Now, I was... I was scared to pronounce that, and I had a young student coach me up after the early service, and I've tried to do it ever since. What's amazing is Tua, if you remember, came back, led Alabama to victory. And what was just remarkable was how Jalen Hurts handled that moment. Um, He cheered him on. He cheered for the team. He stayed at Alabama, backed up to his junior year, transferred to Oklahoma his senior year. But through his whole college career, even though that was this hugely embarrassing moment on the national stage, never fussed about being benched, never criticized his coach for that. In fact, he was asked, even after the Eagles won the playoff game to go to the Super Bowl, they asked him, how in the world can you compare that embarrassment in the national title game versus leading your team to the Super Bowl? And I love what he said. I love the, the picture of his character. He said, we all have new moments, new moments, new times. I've been raised to be who I am. As the times change, the character doesn't. I always try to never get too high, never get too low, and always give my best. So remember, if he was, he was drafted in the NFL, and many people thought he's not going to be a top-level quarterback, certainly not a quarterback that could take a team to the Super Bowl. And so the experts said that he needed to change positions, but Jalen Hurts wanted to stay quarterback. So if you remember, the Eagles drafted him in the second round. And when that happened, the fans were upset. They booed him. The experts said, that's crazy. The Eagles had just signed a young quarterback to a long-term deal. They wondered, what in the world were they thinking? What were they doing? Not knowing that they had just discovered a treasure in plain sight. So they brought this up again, all the disappointment the fans had after they were going to the Super Bowl. And I love the way he's handled it. Always in his interviews this week, he deflects attention from himself and talks about his teammates and the team. Listen to what he said this week. I know I've been through a lot personally, but I don't want to steer away from the direction of how good this team has been playing together. 
being together, challenging one another. My first year here, people didn't even want me. It was probably just one of those things, but it always handles itself. It's the way it works. You never know where our treasure is hidden, right in plain sight, in the least likely ways and times, God is working, God is moving. Are we aware, are we alert, are we tuned in? So we don't miss those moments. Second thing that Jesus teaches us about the kingdom of God, and that is the kingdom of God is free, but it costs us everything. We love to use that word grace. Grace is free. It's God's love, God's favor. We can't buy it, we can't earn it, we can't deserve it. It's freely given, it has to be received. Grace is free, but it costs us everything because grace comes because Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. He bore our sins, he paid the price for us. Jesus, grace, Jesus suffering and Dying on the cross cost him everything because he loved us, as the choir sang. The kingdom of God is, is free, but it costs us everything. Notice in the parable, when the landowner, when the owner discovers that treasure, he goes and sells everything he has to buy the land. And when the fellow discovers that valuable pearl, goes and sells everything he has to buy the pearl because they understood they found the thing of greatest value and it was a priority. They sold everything they had. The question is, do we understand the greatest value of life is living in the kingdom and does it get our best? Do we sell everything we have for the kingdom? And not just in financial terms, but do we give the best of our time and our talents and our love and our loyalty? Because the kingdom of God is free, but it costs us everything. A friend sent me a wonderful story that was on the news last week that really makes this point. A veteran in Alabama did something really remarkable. You may have seen it, but let's watch it again together. Sanity restored. The pharmacy in Geraldine, Alabama has just the medicine. A story of kindness that began 10 years ago when a man walked in and asked to speak with pharmacist Brooke Walker. So I assumed that he needed counseled on a medication. And that's when he said, you know, do you ever have anybody that can't pay for their medicine? Brooke said, all the time. And he said, next time that happens, I want you to use this. He handed her a $100 bill, the first of many $100 bills he would donate anonymously to help those in Geraldine who can't afford their prescriptions. People like Bree Slogater. To be honest, I was desperate. I was like, what am I going to do? I was defeated. And she said, it's taken care of. And I said, how? No one in Geraldine knew how. No one knew who. Until a few weeks ago, when the donor died and the story came out. His name? Hody Childress, an Air Force veteran and farmer. These are his children, Doug and Tanya. So when you heard of the secret, were you surprised? No. He was not a wealthy man, but he was probably the richest man on earth with his heart. Yes. He would say he's building up his riches for eternity, not for here. In fact, they say Hody was near broke 
after spending more than $10,000 on other people's prescriptions. The high cost of prescription drugs is a problem that extends well beyond rural Alabama, and a humble farmer can only do so much to fix it. But, as is often the case with kindness, sometimes a small deed can start a monumental movement. Are you aware of what's going on? Oh, we're aware. It's global. It's just blown our mind. That one small act makes a difference. Proof of that now shows up every day in the pharmacy mailbox. Folks either donating to keep the fund going in Geraldine or pledging to start a fund at their pharmacy. Doug and Tanya say that generosity doesn't take away their pain. Sure do miss it, Dad. But it does give it purpose. You made a big impression on people. Steve Hartman, on the road in Geraldine, Alabama. Isn't that an amazing story? That's what the kingdom of God is like. Here was this Air Force veteran, died broke, that had given $10,000 anonymously to help people that couldn't afford their prescriptions be able to do that. And we wonder, why in the world would he do that? It's one reason. His highest priority was the kingdom of God. And it gave the best that he had. You notice how much it touched his children? They were kind of amazed and they said, our dad maybe wasn't rich in the stuff of this earth, but he was rich in eternity. He was rich in the matters of God. And the question, my friends, is for all of us, what about us? What does the life we live say about us? Do we give all we have to be passionate followers of Jesus? Do we give all we have to bring about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven? Do we understand small, small acts of love of the kingdom start a movement? The kingdom of God is free, but it costs us everything. And then the last thing I want us to see is the kingdom of God is simple, but it's tremendously hard. The way Jesus called us to live really is very simple. We know it clearly. Jesus said God wants two things of us. Love God with all your heart and soul and all your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. It's really simple what we're supposed to do, but it's hard to stay tuned in to those moments in which we're called to share and to give. It's hard to stay focused and to notice and to be aware of those God-given opportunities that cross our path. What we're called to do is pretty simple, but it's tremendously hard to do. Are we aware? Are we tuned into life? I remember the old story. I've shared it with us before. The touchstone. Remember the story? On the Black Sea, the story is told. There was a rock called the touchstone. And if you picked up the touchstone, you would know it was it because it would turn warm in your hand. And if it turned warm in your hand, everything you touched turned to gold. But well, there was a man that heard the story and decided he wanted to go have the touchstone for himself. So he sold everything that he had. He went to the Black Sea and started picking up the rocks there on the seashore. And he did that for several days, picked up rocks and they were cold, picked up rocks and they were cold. And after several days, he realized, I'm picking up those same old rocks over and over again. I'm not gonna get anywhere. So he hatched a new idea. What he decided to do is he would pick up a rock and if it was cold, he would throw it out to sea. Pick up another rock, if it was cold, throw it out to sea. So he did that week upon week upon week, picking up rocks, seeing if they were cold or if they would warm. One day he came to the seashore 
and he picked up a rock and it was cold and he threw it out and he picked up another and he threw it out and he picked up another, did that all day long till finally late in the afternoon, he picked up a rock, it turned warm and without thinking, he threw it out to sea. (laughs) And there's a great lesson for us there because how often is that us? These kingdom moments pass our way, but how often are we dulled by our routine? We're distracted by our problems and we throw them away before we even realize it because we're not paying attention. That's why Jesus said, pay attention. The kingdom of God is like that treasure that's buried in your field. It's like that pearl of great value that's right in front of you. Tune in, don't miss your moments. So how do we do that? The three lessons we learned about the kingdom today. The kingdom of God is hidden in plain sight. The kingdom of God is free, but it costs us everything. The kingdom of God is simple, but it's tremendously hard. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that we are living in the midst of the kingdom. It is all around us in plain sight. Lord, help us be tuned in, help us notice. Don't let us throw those moments that pass our way because we are just too dulled by our routines. And said, Lord, help us be open. Help us focus on you. Help us to be aware of you so that we can find those moments. And Lord, most of all, may we be honest about our lives. Is the greatest treasure for us your kingdom? Is it a priority in following you, being passionate about you? Do we give you the very best that we have? Because that's where real life is found. Not only eternal life to come in heaven, but real life now. Lord, come to us and convict us and may the life we live bear evidence to the fact that we are chasing after the kingdom. It is our highest priority. Come to us, Lord, and take our small acts of love and service and start a movement. Lord, use us to be people who proclaim the kingdom, not just with our words, but through our lives. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.